this with unusual blessings. And then we'll talk about unusual victories. We're going to talk about unusual healing, unusual forgiveness. Uh, We're going to go down that road. And so if there's anything I know about Jesus, he was unusual. I mean, let's just go back to the the way it all started. His mother couldn't tell you who she was with child by other than to say that I conceived of the Holy Ghost. Could, Could you imagine that, you know? So Jesus growing up, he's got to deal with, you know, who he is on his mother's side and who he is on his father's side and he is humanity, yet divinity, and there, there's, a, there's a whole lot going on right there. Are you with me? So from the very onset, it's just, it's crazy, it's unusual. And then as he grew, you know, when he was 12 years old, his mom and daddy come to worship in Jerusalem, and they headed back home and got a day's journey and then realized, oh man, where's Jesus? They went back and found him astonishing the doctors of the law, and the scribes in the temple as he expounded the scriptures to them. Kind of strange. So that's the name of this series is Unusual. Unusual. So let me just define that, if I may. As an adjective, unusual means conforming to a standard. Um, Something that is typical. Something that is expected, kind of like the sun coming up. We, we expect that it comes up every morning, unless you live in Alaska. Amen? We, we expect that it comes up in the morning and in the east, and it sets in the evening in the west, and that's normal. That's typical for us. You expect that you're going to eat breakfast, perhaps, and then lunch is coming. There'll be a lunch, and then dinner later tonight, and that's the norm. <clears throat> you expect. Uh, certain things. As a noun, it is normal is the usual, the average, the typical state or condition of things. So this is, this is typical. If you went to the doctor and he looked at your blood work and said everything is typical, everything's you know normal, everything is uh, as it should be, you're okay, right? Cool. But today I want to talk about unusual, because normal isn't working anymore. Now, if anything I know about Jesus, he was abnormal. I mean, you know, he said things like, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not a place to lay his head. He said things like, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. He said things like, give, and it shall be given unto you. I mean, things that are so uh, opposite what we have been brought to believe or taught to believe. I mean, he, he said things like, love your enemies. That's not normal. He said to pray for them or those who despitefully use you and mistreat you. He said, turn the other cheek. If they smite thee on the one side, turn the other cheek. He said, if a soldier who by law in that day could make you carry their gear, their rucksack, for a mile. 
He said, if you're made to do that, when you get to the end of the mile, we're not, not being a smart aleck and not full of sarcasm, but just ask him, would you like me to carry it another mile? What he's saying is, go above and beyond the call of duty. I mean, Jesus said some outlandish things, some, some, some hard things that we don't, we don't get it. He said, you know, in this life, he, we would think, hey, you only go around once, put yourself first, look out for number one. And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus didn't say look out for number one first. He said look out for your brother or your sister and treat other people the way in which you would like to be treated. I mean, he said some, I mean, everybody knows he was weird. It was strange. I mean, it's okay to be weird because weird is, you know, it should be the new normal. Because normal just ain't working. And, and we're going to go down the road about that. And let me just ask you a question. Since we're today talking about finances, and, um, and, and you are a giving church, and I, I, I thank God for that, and I applaud you for your giving. It helps us do things around the world and in our local community. Give the Lord praise for that. Amen? But if I were to ask you, how much money would you have to make in order to be rich? Could you come up with a dollar figure? I bet you could. I know some of you ladies, man, you already see Belk and Macy's and you got it all mapped out, but it's going to take a little bit of money. Y'all, brothers, you know what I'm talking about. It's going to take some money to make this happen. But well, what would it be? Well, there's a study that was done just a couple of years ago, and it said if you take somebody that makes $25,000 a year and you were to ask that person, what does it take to be rich? What, what would it be if you were rich? And they'll write down something like forty-five to $50,000. Man, if I could make forty-five dollars or $50,000, I would be rolling. I'd be rich. On the other side of that coin, if you were to ask the person that makes $50,000, how much, sir, does it take you to be rich? I mean, if you were rich, what would you make? He said, oh, man, if I could make $85,000 or ninety, brother, I, I, I would be in there. So what I'm talking about, I would be rich. But then if you ask somebody who makes $150,000, what would it take for you to be rich, sir? And oh man, I imagine a couple hundred thousand dollars or so, 200, 250. But then if you were to ask someone who had $2 million, you say, sir, are you rich? Oh my goodness, I'm barely getting by. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to make it a payday. You know why? Because all of their buddies, they're, they're, they're in a pool of people like this, and they're down here, and they're at the two million mark, and all the people they're hanging out with, I mean, you, you say, what does it take to be rich? Oh, you got to have at least five million. All my friends got five million. So rich is a relative term. It depends on who you hang out with. If everybody makes less than $10,000 and you're making fifteen, you're rich in their eyes. You understand? And, but, but that person there that's making the $2 million, you know, um, to them, man, you got to make at least five to be rich. And if you take somebody who is making $100 million, that is so much money, I can't even comprehend it. But, uh, but $100 million, and if you was to ask them, they probably, they don't think they're rich. Uh, now, they would say, now, somebody that's got a, a billion dollars, are y'all with me? Ten times the hundred. Uh, you know, uh, uh, 
the, the hundred million ten times. I, I mean, yeah, you're a billionaire, and then you got like somebody that makes twenty-five billion, somebody makes fifty billion. Uh, you know, we get up in the Oprah money right there. And now that's rich, it seems. But many, many times you ask them and they don't see themselves as rich. You know, but I want you to know, contrary to what you think, and no matter how relative the term is, because whatever you make today, whether it's 10000 or or 300000 or a million, being rich is a relative term. I think we've explained that. that no matter what you're making, it's relative to what you're making and, and who you're around. But I want you to understand that American people, regardless what you make in this room, and no matter what that, the, the IRS, you know, the taxable income it is, we are rich and unusually blessed. I expected that kind of sigh, like, oh, man, he, he didn't go there and tell me I'm rich and I only make $20,000. But let me just help you understand something. We are head and shoulders above most of the world by all standards. But how, Pastor Mike? I mean, how is that that you're talking to me? How, you might ask? Here's the fact. 50 percent of the world 50 percent of seven billion people that's you know three and a half billion people live on less than two dollars a day we are rich and don't even realize it and then if you make thirty seven thousand dollars in this room did you know you are in the top four percent of wage earners alive on planet earth Holy Jesus, I didn't realize that. Did you know, that's why we can, you know, another stat too is that if you make $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of income earners in the world. When you look at all the population, all seven point some odd billion people, and you say, oh, that's why we can look at the Bible. And when Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to go to heaven than it is a camel to go through the eye of a needle, we say, man, he ain't talking about me, I ain't rich. And we just gloss right on over that because can't be talking about me because I don't make but seventy-five thousand dollars a year, or fifty, or or a hundred, whatever, or, or, or even twenty-five. But the deal is, comparatively speaking, when we look around and half of the people in the world live on less than two dollars a day, I say that we are rich. I'm reminded of being in Guatemala for three and a half years ago for the very first time, and I saw a woman that looked to be 90 years old, and she may have only been 70. It may be the miles that, that was really hard on her. She was barefooted. She had on a long, uh, uh, not gown, but a uh, skirt that's in, you know, typical of the city that she lived in and the blouse, and she had uh, a garden hoe about so big with a wide blade on the end of it over her shoulder, and I thought to myself, my God, she's walking through the middle of town hustle bustle area there and I think we were in Quetzaltenango but nonetheless I I said my lord she what, what is she doing and brother Tyson said she's headed to work because here we don't have social security and we don't have programs like we have in the state and here if you don't work you don't eat if you don't make money you can't exist you can't survive you can't live if you don't have children to take care of you or relatives so you got to go to work so she's got to go to work. So I submit to you that while we might only get seven or eight hundred dollars or eleven hundred from Social Security, we are rich by all standards. I know it's not popular. You're not gonna, you know, uh, it, 
this, this message won't go to the top of the charts because of saying that, but, but you know, what you got to understand is we don't appreciate the unusual blessing by which we have been blessed. You know why? We cannot see it through the lens of someone else. We always see our circumstances through our own set of eyes. That's why we can't have empathy sometimes with somebody else because we will not relinquish the way we see it long enough to look through their lens. There was a pastor, though. He was in a third world country. It was a developing country. And uh, he began to talk to a guy and he began to listen to him about their country. And did you know, did you know half of the world lives on less than what most Americans pay for cable television every month? Did you know that? They do. It's incredible. So he listens to this guy and he's describing life outside of his area. He's describing life in, you know, America. And he says, there are people so rich that they have a car. He said, they have a car. And some of them are so rich, they have two cars. He said, it's unbelievable. that He said, and then for some people that have one or two cars, they even have a little house for their car that's called a garage. And it protects their car from rain and sleet and hail and snow and ice and water. And I mean, they got little houses for their cars. And, and um, these people get into their cars every day. And they drive past like, like 20 places you can buy food. 20 places that you can buy some food and some groceries to live. And then... <clears throat> They drive by these things they call restaurants where they go inside and they pay people money to cook them a meal and bring it out and serve them. And then they leave money more than we live on for a tip. They leave for the person. These people are so incredibly rich. He goes on. He said, some of them eat so much that they actually get fat. And they just keep eating and they just keep eating and, and they eat and they have to go to these places they call gyms. And there they pay somebody to help them lose weight from all the food that they get to eat. That, that they have, they call them a personal trainer that shows them how to tone up and how to trim down because they have so much food to eat. He said, some of them even in their house, they have special little rooms called closets. He said, in these closets, nobody lives in these closets. It's just where they hang their clothes at. He said, and, and, and some people are so rich they have clothes, a closet for her and a closet for him. And these people are so, so rich, they have clothes for when it's hot. They have clothes for when it's cold. They have clothes for when it's raining. They've got different clothes to go to church. They got clothes to go to work. They got clothes to go get wet. I mean, they got, they got all kind of clothes I can imagine. They're just rich. 
beyond belief. That's how rich they are. You see, rich is a relative term. To this guy who's explaining this, he's probably never seen a city. He's probably never seen uh, a sign that lights up. He's probably never seen a McDonald's or a Happy Meal. What I'm trying to say to you is we're spoiled to death because we see life through our own lens. that we, We've never lived it. I would challenge you, my friend. I, I heard some stat the other day that talked about, I, I want to say it was 19,000. It might have been 1,900, but it, it was one of the two, and either one's unacceptable. Children in Africa dying a day because they just don't have enough food. We cannot comprehend that while we throw more. I mean, I left the restaurant the other day, and I'm sorry to say this, but two pieces of pizza. Do you want a box? No, I don't want to mess with it. And one of those kids would die to have one of those pieces of pizza. Now, I know I can't, I'm not trying to indict you. I know we can't box it up and send it over there. I, I get all that. I just want you to see our plight versus theirs. And I want you to understand that we are unusually blessed beyond measure if we could just open our eyes and see the, the intense blessing that God has given us. Now, I understand that there are those of us in this room, some, some making a whole lot more money than others. But let me say this, everybody in this room is blessed beyond measure. Even, even if you've got the little peach card that back when I was a kid it was food stamps, I had to go in there with a book, you know, and, but now they've made it classy, you got a Georgia peach on it, you can just sort of swipe that and nobody know it might have been a MasterCard or whatever, I don't know. But, but nonetheless, even if you've got a peach card, if you've got Medicaid or Medicare, you are incredibly rich. Beyond belief, if you get some sort of disability, you get more than, than most people in the world. <clears throat> now today I'm going to talk with you how to better that and how to take those unusual blessings and go far beyond it. I, I want to direct your attention to 1 Kings chapter number 17. We're going to take these unusual blessings and make a difference in the life of those around us. I want you to keep in mind... As I tell you this story today of Elijah, it's, uh, Elijah, it's a true story of the unusual blessings that surrounded him. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, said, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Now that's unusual instructions. Now, we know that Paul said, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Now, God's trying to tell him, where you at ain't working no more. Normal's not working, so I want you to go over by the brook of Cherith, and I've commanded the ravens. The ravens are dirty birds. Huh? That's what the Baltimore ravens, right? The dirty birds? Or is that the falcons in Atlanta? I don't Nonetheless, both of them are scavengers. Uh, they, they eat roadkill, <laughs> armadillo and snakes and whatever gets hit on the side of the road, deer, carcass, or whatever. And so, but, but God has said to Elijah, I want you to go beside the brook. You can drink from the brook, and I'm going to send a dirty bird to fly in there. And I don't know if he's just going to sort of just do a touch and go and, and, and whatever, or if he's going to land. I don't know if he's bringing food, you know, in his beak, or if he's holding it with his talons. I don't know. But he said, morning and evening, bread and flesh. Now, I don't know if he's going to go over to the side of I-95 that ran through and pick up some flesh and bring. I don't know what Elijah's going to eat. But he's going to pray before he eats. 
What I'm saying is unusual instruction. Unusual. And listen, God will tell you to do some silly things. But man, God has told me before to give somebody $500. I said, hold on, God. You have drank too much or something. You have, you have bumped your head up in the celestial somewhere or another and to think I got extra money to just give $500 away. And he says, well, it ain't your money anyway. It's mine. And so, uh, you know, if I'm Lord in your life, it's, not, it's, it's like a marriage. They can't tell me that I can't write a $50 check because it's my money. They just have to honor it if it's there. And God says, well, it's my money, and I'm wanting you to give $500 of my money to somebody. Are y'all with me? I know that's a revelation. It's unusual. Isn't it? That's an unusual understanding, Pastor. It's contrary to what is typical. Well, God had given Elijah some, some, some unusual instructions. And, man, you're going to go over here, and you're going to eat, and these birds are going to bring you some food. Here's what I want you to know, that God, even though it is unusual and uh, even weird, I mean, look how John the Baptist dressed. Low, I mean, he dressed with a, a, a leather girdle, uh, camel's hair, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Strange kind of fellow. That's, that's a weird way to come to church. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And he preached like a man on fire, and he preached some crazy stuff. Amen. What I'm saying is, if you want the blessings of God, you've almost got to look at life and say, this is what's normal, and do the exact opposite of what's normal. Now, let me move on. So, verse 5, so he did what the Lord told him. Now, hey, I, I just got to stop that for just a second. So he did, we would be better off if we would just do like Elijah and just do what the Lord said. Then you say, no, no, wait a minute, I, God don't understand, I've got health insurance, I, I, I got this bill, I've got that bill. I, listen, God knows exactly what you need, and what I'm trying to say is quit worrying about how God is going to do it, that's up to Him. It's not up to me how He meets my needs, I'm faithful to Him, I pray to Him, and I say, no, God, this is my plight. Now, what you've got to comprehend is this. That God can bring water out of a rock. God can make a flower bloom in the desert. God can ride on the wings of the wind. He can do things that's incredible. When you look at it and you say, there's absolutely no way God's about to do something unusual. Amen? All right, so let's read the rest of the story. Sometime later, verse 7, the brook dried up. Uh-oh, normal ain't working no more. I've been eating uh, breakfast right here. The birds sort of brought me some roadkill or whatever it was, but they brought me flesh every morning, and I drank out of the brook, and every evening, so twice a day, I'm eating, and God's providing, and one day I get there, and the brook is dried up. There ain't no water to drink, nothing to wash down this roadkill. And so God speaks to you, and I'll tell you this, when the brook in your life dries up, God's got a word for you. I said, when the brook in your life dries up, God has got a word. Then it's just a matter if you are willing to deal with the unusual, strange, weird word that God's got. So let me, here we go. Because there's been no rain in the land, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with some food. Now let me tell you all how strange this is. 
This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It don't make any sense whatsoever. Why? In my study, the widow is the poorest of all of the population because her husband is dead. She's got no breadwinner in the house. Widows would make the least sense to, uh, to, as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to look after those qualified widows. Why? Because they're poor. But I want you to understand God does things different and his economy works different. That's how 90% goes further than 100% if you've got God's blessing on the 90. Woo! So anyway... Uh, it doesn't make sense. It is unusual. It's weird. It's out of character. It is abnormal for God to send Elijah to be taken care of by a widow woman who's the poorest. And everybody knows that. But don't you back up. When God says do something, it might look absolutely absurd, absolutely stupid. Let me, just let me have your eyes for a second. Here's what happened. God promised Abraham a son for 25 years. He was 75 years old. He said, you're going to have a son, the fruit of your loins. Guess what? When he was 100 years old, he, his wife finally gave him that son. Man, tell me God can't work a miracle. These old people, man, they were getting together, son. And that was way, way before Viagra or anything like that. Y'all with me? Come on, don't act like you wasn't thinking it. I just said it. Huh. So, but, but nonetheless, this is weird, God. I mean, these old people. And man, he starts calling her beautiful princess. She starts calling him father of many and all that. They begin to confess this thing. And, and, and then they have this baby. And then when he's about 17 years old, God just blows their mind. God tells, he don't tell Sarah, but he tells Abraham, I want you to take him up Mount Moriah and kill him on an altar. What? That's the most unusual thing, God, you've ever said in your, my life. That, that, that's the weirdest, that, that's dumb, it's strange. You promised him to me for 25 years, since I was 75 years old. You performed all kinds of miracles, and this old man has fathered a child, and now he's about to be a man, and you're telling me to kill him. God, you just don't make sense. However, God did not want him to kill him. He wanted to see if he would trust God enough. So he took him up the hill. He said to his wife, Sarah, he says, uh, I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Watch this, the faith. And I and the lad will return. The writer of Hebrews helped us understand what he meant. The writer of Hebrews said that Abraham had faith enough in God that he knew if he killed him, God would raise him from the dead. Y'all ain't talking to me now. Come on. So he goes up to the hill, and you're talking about some unusual directions, some unusual instructions. Here he lays his 17-year-old boy down on the altar that he has built for, for God. God, do you really love me? Why are you asking me to do this? Why are you asking me to kill him? But he ties him down. He draws back with a knife, and as he's coming down, just before the knife enters him, an angel of the Lord stayed his hand and said, Hurt not the lad. I know now that I can trust you. Hey! It is unusual. It's strange. To some, it is stupid. It's absurd. It doesn't make sense. God don't make sense. 
but for those who trust in him. Blessed is he who's, uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the one that trusts in him. Amen. God is looking after me. And then when he says do something unusual, we just have to take him by his word. Why? Because I walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things I don't yet see. So he went to Zarephath. He came to the town gate, and there was a widow gathering sticks. And he said, would you bring me a jar of water that I might have a drink? Now, I want you to watch this preacher. And as she was going to get it, he called back, and he said, uh oh, not just a little bit of water, but would you bring me a piece? Somebody say a piece. A piece of bread. And she said, as surely as the Lord lives, the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. And it's typical. It's a widow woman. And she says, and only a handful of flour in a jar, a little bit of oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks right now to take home and make this meal for myself and my son, and we're going to eat this and then die. Isn't that, I mean, she confirms what I've already told you. Widows are poor. It hadn't rained in years. There's no crop. Her husband's dead. It, it is absurd that God would send her or send him to, for a widow to take care of me. It doesn't make sense. But listen, don't you, don't you even think about trying to tell God what's best for you or how you, God, this doesn't make sense. And he says, I know, do it anyway. God, people are going to laugh about this. I know, do it anyway. Oh, my Lord. Hello? I asked God, and matter of fact, I told God I wasn't coming to Kingsland. <laughs> I didn't come down here and look at the place. No, I ain't going. I don't see how. And you know what? It's not by my sight. It's by his sight. I told the overseer no twice. And, and all of these things. But God says, I am the one that is orchestrating this. It is not you. It is strange. It is unusual. It's even to the point of absurdity. But do it anyway. So remember what he said? He said, get me a drink of water. And while you get me a drink of water, just get me a piece of bread. She said, well, I don't got anything. We just got this, and then we're going to eat this and die. And Elijah said in verse 13, don't be afraid. So here's what I want to tell you right now. If, if some of y'all are flipping out about your circumstance right now, about your dilemma, even though, you, and I done told you you're rich, and you say, man, I make $13 an hour, and you're calling me rich. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let me help you. He says, go home and do as you've said, but, in other words, go home and make you and your boy something. He said, but, preacher always got some sort of but he's got to say, first, make me a small loaf. Oh, wait a minute, hold the phone. What did he ask for the first time? He asked for water and a piece of bread. Now he's, he's a, a, made an amendment to the request and says, First, make me a small loaf. Let me help you all understand. When you go to Longhorn today, they will bring out a loaf of bread, and you cut that into pieces. He first asked for a piece, and now he has upped the ante a little bit and said, just bring, bring me a small loaf. Well, she told him to start with, I ain't got but a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. So, anyway, it, it's just like a preacher, I guess, uh, that... He would ask her for the last thing she's got and then say, bring me most of it. And, and, and bring it to me. And then, he says, go on, make something for yourself and your son. 
And she might have been thinking, how in the world you expect me to make something for myself and my son? You now went from a piece to a whole loaf. i got to make you a loaf of bread, bring it out to you. There ain't going to be nothing left for me and my boy. Unusual. Unusual instructions, unusual directions. But nonetheless, I want to show you an unusual obedience. Here's a woman that says, you know what? I'm about to give up the last meal that I'll have with my boy on this side. That's all it is. All I got is enough for one cake, one loaf, and a little bit of oil. But nonetheless, because God asked for it, because God's servant asked for it, I'm going to make it for him. And she made it for him. And she brought it out to him, sir. Here's your water, and here's that loaf. And then reminded, but he said, go back and make And so when she went back, there was still meal in the barrel and still oil in the jug. So the Bible says she made her something. And you know what he went further? And I don't have time to tell you this. He said every time she went to that, bit, that, that barrel for meal and that jug for oil, it lasted until the famine had ceased. It lasted till new crops was on the ground. I, I'm telling you, do not question the unusual instructions that God gives you. He's telling some of you, give somebody this today. He's telling somebody, be faithful in your tithing and giving. Just follow the direction of the Lord. Lord, have mercy. So, he says, for this is what the Lord God says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry till the day the Lord sends rain back on the land. So she went away and did as the Lord told her, so there was food for every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil didn't run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Let me say this, our... Obedience or disobedience is directly linked to our belief in God, our faith in God, and His ability to keep us. If God told me to give the $500 and I balk on that, what that says is, is I think I have to have this $500 to meet my bills or to make me feel good about what's in the bank. And I don't trust that God can make it up or, or take care of me. On the other hand, if he speaks to me and I just say, okay, God, it ain't mine, it's yours, and there we go. Then I have already surrendered to the will of God. It's unusual. It's strange. I can't understand how it happens, but he multiplies it again and again and again back to me. Not just to me, but anybody who loves him. So, listen, the brook represented what was normal for Elijah, but there came a day when the brook dried up. You see, and he had some unusual instructions. It was crazy. I mean, words that would just mortify you. How's a widow woman going to take care of me? You mean tell me I got to eat from the mouth of a dirty bird? Just trust God. How about do that? How about just, just relinquish all your education that you've got and just, just understand your spiritual education that God knows what's best for me. And he can take care of me better than I can take care of myself. Now, I know that's a big leap. And I'm going to bring you some practical stuff right now. I'm going to tell you something. When, when things aren't working anymore and when normal quits, you've got to do something abnormal. Let me suggest to you that we swim upstream. Let me suggest to you that we do something that's out of the norm. Wow. That, that, taking a leap of faith. It's scary, yes. But I'm going to tell you the unusual blessings Come after unusual obedience. Wow. Hey, and you and I in this country are already, as I said, rich. 
we're already unusually blessed. But let me take you practically how to, because I know in this life, I know right now that, that marriages struggle, struggle, struggle because of the area in which we live in our own purview. More people fight over money than anything else. More divorces happen because of the lack thereof or the management thereof than anything else. I, I answer questions about money every single week. And, and, and I can just tell you all kind of 95% of married couples argue regularly about money. The average American has over $38,000 in consumer debt. Um, the average American spends $1.22 for every dollar they make. Are you with me? And let me tell you something, on a trajectory like that, you go, you're going to crash. It's just a matter of when. So I want to give you some um, unusual instructions and, and some unusual ways. Um, I'm going to talk to you about some next steps in just a moment, and I'm going to tell you what they are. One of them is going to be to simply write a budget. Another one's going to be simply to save an emergency fund. We'll talk about that in a moment. But then the next one's going to be to start a debt snowball. Kelly and I have done this, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we owed a pile of debt, too. Don't get me wrong. So I'm out here. I'm not telling you to do something that I ain't done myself. I can tell you right now, I've been regularly doing plastic surgery, cutting up credit cards. Y'all with me? Uh-huh. Man, I paid one off about four nights ago. I just had me a shouting fit in my brother-in-law's house. So what I'm saying, I'm going to show you a quick video, and we'll look at about four minutes, three or four minutes of it. And I'm going to, you're going to see how it's going to work here. I'm going to come back and give you some practical next steps, and I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to believe God's going to help you do it so that we can have, take the unusual blessing we already have, and my Lord, it will grow exponentially, and you can live in this life like no other. And every, I don't care if you, you say, Pastor, you just don't know what I, listen, it applies to everybody under the sound of my voice. 